Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Andrew. And I am significantly more chipper than Andrew thought I would be this morning. You are. Yes. Um, let's pour one out for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, she was a hero of mine growing up, and now I am sad and scared, but she wouldn't want me to be sad and scared. She would want me to keep fighting. Absolutely. Um Yes. One of the uh, the few patriots left in the U.S. government, in my opinion. I don't yeah. know. I, I you know I think that um, we just have to keep our hopes up and stay stay positive and yet critical and um, vote as soon as humanly possible. To quote Patagonia, which is uh, the quote that they're putting on the inside of their uh, jackets now, uh, is "Vote the assholes out." Yes, let's do that. So, yeah. I can get behind that. I just, I love the quote, but I also think it's funny that, like, it's now inside of Patagonia jackets. Yeah. You think that they're just, like, chill, vibey hippies, but they are not. They don't, they don't play. They're, like, slightly less chill, vibey hippies. Just slightly less chill who who are the chillest vibey hippies like even ben and jerry's is like really political and not all super duper i think it's a misnomer that hippie like the chillness of hippies i don't know like they weren't they weren't chill i think i think you're right they're the ones protesting vietnam so you're right i think uh, that's a there's a lesson to be learned there is we can be hippies and yeah. uh and still... just for one day yeah <laughs> so, this is, i just got but... a i just got a cool notification that um a, a new pedal from native audio is out for delivery right now to my home Ooh, well that's pretty exciting yes yes i'll have to which one uh well i don't want to spoil any surprises um, oh. So just uh, subscribe to the demo channel and watch it, I guess, when, when I do that. But I have to completely, like, reformat my demo recording space because I kind of go, like, if I'm demoing a guitar, then I'm just going to, like, do a bunch of guitar videos at once. So I don't want to constantly, like, change the camera tripod to be, like, the overhead view and, like, just changing things. So, uh uh, I have two more, at least two more guitar videos I want to film. And then, um, and then I guess I'll reset things up for my pedals because I have a lot, I do have quite a lot of new pedals that I'm kind of falling behind. I got four new arcade chips Whoa. for the Cooper FX arcades, the synth. Reverse generation loss and grain. You can hear them. That's a ooh chips. I like chips. Yeah, microchips. Basically SD cards. Not small potato chips. No, I'm not. I don't like potato chips. Really? Hold yeah, up. Yeah, really. I don't like potato chips. I especially don't like the um, flavored potato chips. The smell of them makes me really nauseated. I suppose that's not a hill I'm willing to die on. I'll I'll find something else to make fun of you for later. 
I like most crispy potato products, but um, I don't know. I just I don't like salty snacks in general. Sometimes I like tortilla chips uh, with salsa or guac, you know, but like I feel like potato chips with few exceptions, you tend to eat like dry. Yep. Yeah, I guess oh. you could get a dip, but you'd have to have such a robust potato chip. Ruffles. Ruffles have ridges. And yeah, that's their advertising slogan, isn't it? That is true. And they're great for like a sour cream and onion dip. Mmm. Uh, that's something else I never really got into. You get like the, the sour cream and onion uh like powder and like dump that into yeah. a tub of uh sour cream or like oh. uh like Lipton onion soup. You so put you're that... literally just eating like flavored sour cream? Yeah, that's a dip. <sighs> Man, that's I, I'm so aggressively Midwestern, and I'm like, hmm, no, thank you. I'm not sure what that has to do with being Midwestern, but moving well, on. Midwesterners, um, well, if you if you were, were a Midwesterner, you would know Midwesterners love their dips. We love them. So, on a brief note, I would like to make this my uh, formal recommendation that we change uh rgb to rbg in graphic design i think uh i don't see any reason why we couldn't swap those two letters permanently so red green blue versus red blue green yeah yeah i think that's i think that would be fine i i, I kind of wish there's a way for me to like easily change that in adobe illustrator in your yeah. own personal settings mm -hmm. mm, yeah yeah I don't know if there is. Um, what's new with you other than, you know, I guess we can finally breathe the air outside in Seattle. So that feels pretty new. Well, we can mostly breathe it. The AQI is still over 100. So what? No, it's not. Uh, it was yesterday in my neighborhood. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's dipped to like 15 overnight. Oh, OK. I'm checking now because that would be really nice news because I'd like to go for like a very nice walk walk later. Yeah, no, it's it's everyone in Seattle is throwing open their windows right now. Oh, my God, you're right. I know I'm right. Don't act so surprised. It's <laughs> the. Uh, the station that I've been looking at for um the last. Uh, the last few uh, couple weeks. um peaked out at like somewhere around like right over 500 yesterday was showing like 130 and now it's three yeah rain i'm throwing the windows open i'm i'm gonna go for a run what? i haven't run in like two weeks because it would have been suicide yeah oh man well that's happy news to wake up to offset yeah. the uh the sadness in life right now i think it just didn't help that I, I i don't think people who haven't like been in environments where their 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 air is unbreathable for, for multiple days like quite understand that it triggers within bodies like almost a fight or flight kind of reaction because if you're around smoke like your body wants you to leave the smoky area so it's really bad for things like general malaise and anxiety so, like, 
I've just been on edge for weeks. Like, it's been really miserable. And, like, you can tell, like, the cats and the small animals, they they haven't been acting, like, Carrie's not been acting like herself at all. I think the weirdest thing for me through all of this, um, which, like, it's, I'm not a stranger to smoke and fire. Like, I've lived in California for uh, over half my life. You lived and in California? I have never heard you say that. I know. Um, like when I was in, I remember I was a sophomore in high school and there was a fire that like I was at school and a fire broke out a couple miles from my house and got within a mile um, before um, getting contained on one end. It wasn't anything huge, but I was like, I remember like walking out in between uh, class periods and be like, what is that in the sky? Uh, like I'm used to like ash and fire and that just, that is how it is. And, but it's usually only, you don't. Even if the fire happens, like in your little city, it's only the ash is only around for a couple of days, and then you you move on. Two right. weeks though is very different, and yeah, uh, yeah. But um, what's excuse me? <coughs> Woo! You gotta what's, get the, you gotta get it out. You gotta get it out. It's been in there for a long time. I know. No, but for I haven't coughing up a lot of phlegm the last couple, like way more than normal. And I swear yeah. my body's like, nope, get that out of there. Yes. Evacuate. Uh, I just got three volume battles in the mail. What? <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, I know why, but that like out of context is like, uh, uh? yeah, I, I want to control the volume at uh, eight different points in my signal chain. Uh, you know, you have to have one before dirt and you have to have one after dirt and you have to have one after your modulation and reverb so you can cut off the reverb trails when you need to. I think that officially puts me at six volume pedals in house right now. Oh, jeez. That's got to be a seven. record. That's seven. I have seven. I just turned around and realized I missed one. I didn't forget you, baby. Um, So I've got seven volume pedals now. Got three of them. Uh, two of them are brand new additions like i haven't had before uh, so i'll be able to support new uh templates and that's a good rich which is a classic yeah the other one is a boss fv500h the third one i got is my second vp junior and i think the plan for that is to safely remove the electronics and to put a topper on there and put the uh put the enclosed the topped enclosure through uh some stress tests on camera put together a short video to show the uh, the durability what are you going to do run it over with a car no not going to run it over like i want the i want the pedal back when i'm done with it um <laughs> cuz i i had previously thought about like Maybe I could just throw it in the oven um, to simulate like being in a hot car, but my oven only gets down to 200 and hot cars I mean, do not get to 200. Yeah, I think they might. I think Mythbusters did. I remember Mythbusters did something on it and uh, I think they only clocked like 130, 140. So huh. um, um, I'm just seeing in a locked vehicle, a the dashboard steering wheel or seat can reach 180 to 200 degrees. 
Um, but the average cabin temperature would be around 116. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think in, like from the perspective of what is the reasonable extremes of what you could put your gear through. And uh, like, for instance, that's one of the things that uh, the temple board based the pedal plates. The criticism is that they uh, they're fine until they get into a hot trunk. And they kind of just get goopy and the pedals slide off. Ooh. Uh, and that's why a lot of people I know and a lot of people I don't know uh, have opted to go for dual lock or Velcro on a temple board, even though it sort of defeats the purpose of the the original design with the plates and the grid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the plan is I'm going to stress test it and try and show like this is what you can expect to put this topper through. Um. I mean, I did. I've done some of my own testing on this, obviously, before I ever sent this out. It's not like I'm like, huh? Would this is this gonna work? Okay, I already know that myself, but I want to get that on camera. I want to be able to share that. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll be a fun project to work on. Yeah, um, that could be fun. That's my. Are you, gonna, uh, are you, you should oper- try operating it with like golf cleats. Hmm. Or track cleats. Those are the really, really like pointy ones, right? Hockey skates. That would mean getting track cleats, and I don't have any reason to have those right now. Uh, um, I bet that I bet that one of us somewhere knows somebody with track cleats. I think the plan is heat and water are the things that I'm after right now. I think uh, ice skates would be really funny, though. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put um put a fill a cookie sheet up with like a thin layer of water and just flip the pedal over face down into it and let the topper soak in water after it's been applied and just uh-huh. to show like how how little it's in, impacted because all the materials are waterproof well that's skateboardy stuff right yeah yeah I mean, it's I mean, yeah. but i mean it's something that i want to show be like hey like this isn't going to be an issue i'm gonna one of the other things i'm thinking about get doing is getting a uv light um, and just kind of throwing it in a box with UV light under some, um, I don't know how much I can do there, but like try and force it to fade quickly. Yeah. To sim- like, Hey, this is going to simulate. I-, I haven't done the math on this. So I'm definitely spitballing here, but I'd- what I'd love to be able to do is like, Hey, I'm going to simulate what would happen if you left it outside in the sun for a month. And because hmm. it's also UV resistant. I- so yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I've been selling these for two coming up on two years since I officially started selling these now. And uh, so I, I'm still in contact with several of the, the, the original customers, one of them being Scott Hamilton and he gigs on a regular basis and his is still in perfect condition. Oh, all right. Well, you know, I also gigged on a regular basis and mine was also in stellar condition. Yep. It is true. For the record. Or that and pe- people and people would always laugh when they saw it because it's cute. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had that, and then last night I went live with RJ Smith on Teletalks. So there is a one-hour Instagram live of us uh, chit-chatting. It was fun. That's always fun hanging with folk. Yeah, need yeah. more of that these days, even if virtually. Vert, yeah. You take what you can get. I'll take it. He's a nice guy. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. So go yeah. check out his channel. Give him a follow if you haven't already. So uh, what's uh, what's new with you? What's crack lacking? 
Oh, gosh. Um, other than the smoke just getting to me, I've been working on some writing assignments, been filming some demos, been doing that kind of thing, um, but been kind of working with um, my band, Sunday Crush. We're releasing a record later this year. I think we've finally set the uh, the release date, but I don't think we're, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet, um, but just kind of working Intrigued. with the band. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't matter. But just kind of working with the band to do some things that like I had done so long ago and just trying to figure out what has changed really. So the big thing was getting the the members of my band who wrote on the record because I joined the band after the record was already in the can. Yep. Getting them set up on uh performing rights organizations, um PROs. Uh, which, you know, I'm on, I'm on CSAC and it's really apparently much harder even now to get on CSAC than it was when I did. So getting them set up on BMI or ASCAP, explaining to them the writer's portion versus the publisher's portion, um, how to divide songs up in, in those platforms, what they need to do legally, uh, what a stage name is versus a band name. Uh, gosh, just a lot of stuff like that. So I finally picked up an updated version of All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman. They just released a 10th edition last year. So I've just been kind of flipping through that a bit too, uh, just to see, just to see what's like, there's so much in there that's changed since I was in college. I mean, I was in college, uh, 2007 through 2011 studying music business and so i think we were maybe on like the sixth edition of all you need to know about the music business back then mm -hmm. so uh yeah things like streaming did not really exist i think that it was my freshman year that like hulu kind of started being a thing and uh spotify was way far in the future and um i think it was just kind of like itunes and then you know, P2P and B2B um, kind of stuff taking over the music industry. So that's just a whole realm that uh, I haven't had to deal with really in so long. So uh, they were like, they'd be like asking me questions. I'd be like, you know what? I feel like maybe I need to just refresh and not give y'all bad advice. So I really recommend that book if you are new because just so many questions I see on musicians forums and stuff like that. It's a lot of stuff that can really, really be cleared up. If you if you pick up this book, a lot of it won't be applicable for folks really before um, like you're signed with a label uh, or have a lot of music to release. Like it, it's but it is still things that you need to understand and know. Things like, no, you don't need to register a copyright to have a copyright, but if you don't register your copyright, you can't sue f really for infringement until you register it and you get extra protections. Right. Um, things like you can sue for damages. So stuff like that. Like a lot of questions I see just constantly like, do I need, do I need a, a, a PRO and this other, th and this other thing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you, you need both. <laughs> so really just like a lot of um a lot of questions that just anybody has kind of trying to figure out navigate the the world of the music business 
you gotta start with this book. It is still like I think the best the best of the books um about the music business. Uh and I feel like he, he really does try to write in a way that doesn't it doesn't feel like jargon, you know. Sure. Yeah. But for gear, I mean I have some things that haven't really been like announced yet, so I can't really talk about them. Um looking around like I just have some like some surprise gifts for folks. I don't really want to talk about them. Oh, but I did with my band Sunday Crush on Wednesday. We went live on our record labels um Twitch stream. It's Donut Sounds. Uh-huh. And uh so my singer, I told you she got I think I mentioned this that she got a big old pedal board for free. So, um, our what? label president, JR, and I, Wait, I did I, I think I missed that. Oh, well, she was grabbing, I think, a keyboard or something on the gear swap page. And when she went to pick it up, the person said, Do you want this really big pedal board? It's like a, it's like the big pedal train classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, she's like, Well, I literally only have two pedals. So I've loaned her a bunch of pedals and our label president, JR, also loaned her a bunch of pedals. And she and Isaac and I um, have been going live on Twitch and just kind of playing with signal chains, different types of effects, getting getting her vibe on them, uh, seeing what she likes and what she doesn't like. Uh, maybe build her a little oh, board someday. So uh, that's something we are doing also, I think we're pretty like this coming week. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, the 22nd, it'll be on the 23rd. We'll go live on the donut sounds stream at a 7 PM Pacific time. Rad, rad. It'll be a fun one. I'm going to bring some other things that she hasn't seen yet. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's, that's pretty much all I got on the what's new. Um, like it's, gosh, I just, haven't felt like doing a ton because of the smoke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's kind of good to to recharge. Just watch some watch some TV and not not exert yourself too much. Um, but just thinking about a lot of things. A lot in the pipeline that I just don't feel like I should be announcing right now, like things that you know about. Yeah. Yeah, I know how that goes. I'm going to wait until they put the graphics together for that, and then I'll start talking about it. Mm. Ooh, mysteries. Intrigued. Ooh, mysterious. Intriguing. Speaking of mysteriousness and intrigue, uh, we had a massive pedal launch day on Thursday with two major companies. Oh, shoot. You're right. Oh, but can we can we thank our sponsors before we get into the topic? Yeah, it's fine. Or is that not, or is that not really the topic? We kind of have a dual topic, don't we? Sure. Right. Either way is fine with me. I... All right. Well, um, I'm excited to talk about all of the above. <laughs> well, uh, the first sponsor really kind of ties into the everything you need to know about the music business because a lot of questions tend to arise when people first start putting their music up on the internet. Um, DistroKid makes it so easy to put your music up online. And it's also really, really fast. Like I uploaded some music and it was in a bunch of the stores, I think Apple Music, like the same day or if not the next day. 
And it just was so fast and easy. And it's only like 20 bucks a year. And uh, if you use our affiliate link in the show notes, you get 7% off your first year with DistroKid. But they have a lot of cool stats. I was looking through it um, the other day. And like you can uh, obviously get verified on Spotify. And when you're verified, and once you like connect it with Spotify, you can see like how how much your music got streamed the last over the course of the past year, sixty days, seven days, like before you even see like the reporting, and you can see it like on a day to day breakdown. Like on September tenth, I got thirty, I got thirty streams on Spotify, which is really cool. Um, and normally. You either have to log into Spotify and I don't even think Spotify's dashboard is that cool or good. And also they have this for iTunes and Amazon and Apple Music as well. But normally you have to wait until your like quarterly statements to see how many streams you got on Spotify. And obviously quarterly. So it can be like three months before you see any like real indication, hard numbers on your your streams and from your streams you can kind of extrapolate like how much money you're going to get ballpark it um 0.3 cents per stream so that's dollar sign zero zero three uh dollar zero dollar sign zero point zero zero three um it's really i'm i'm a fan i think this is really slick and uh it makes it really easy and also they have that that teams feature where if you write a song with other people, you can uh, do rev- like automatic revenue shares, which I think is really cool. That's actually super cool. That makes collab. That means you don't have to worry about like, hey, I'm going to collab with this person. I really hope they actually pay me the appropriate yeah. royalties. Yeah, no, that's that's a real real concern for folks, and typically oh, yeah. you have to do like. If if you work with like your record label, you, they, you have to do like quarterly audits to see like okay, what were my sales, what were my streams, what is my portion of that revenue? So a traditional label, basically all of that funnels to the label, then funnels out to you minus you know whatever they take. Right. So if you're self releasing, you get all of that. But if you work with somebody and they're like. We co-wrote this song. We each agreed to the split. Where's my money? Like, then you don't have to screw around with like doing the math and sending someone a, you know, their money via the correct channels or whatever. It just automates it, and that's that's neat. I like that a lot. I'm definitely a fan. That's DistroKid. Again, sign up via our affiliate link in the show notes. And uh, we get a portion of that back and you get to save 7% on your first year. It's a very easy way to support the show and get your music into the world. And to save money, which uh, that's a perk. That's like three birds. Three birds. One's done. Those poor birds. Yeah. Well, what if they were crows? How would you feel if they were crows? Frightened as hell. Because <laughs> have you well, heard stories of what happens when people kill crows? 
Yes, they hold grudges and they pass grudges on for generations. They are the mafia of the bird kingdom. They are. I wouldn't want to piss off a magpie either. I lo- I've seen videos of magpies like dive bombing people who piss them off for like miles. I'm like they are the killer bees of the aviary world. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got. I have a pigeon story about that. But anyways. Um, Oof, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what about our second sponsor? Our second sponsor. Last but not least. Earthquaker Devices. As uh, listeners of the show know, that's uh, definitely from day one of this show has been my favorite pedal company. Uh, I, I find their stuff to be inspiring. It It's none of it. Everything's got like... Uh, it's so good. Um, it's like they've got this Midas touch, but instead of like everything they touch that turns to gold, it's like everything they touch turns into this psychedelic, non-standard kind of rag gold <laughs> that really makes you want to step outside of the box and innovate and create and not just fit into the mold of the sounds that other people gone before us have created. And I just think the whole the whole every time they release something i can count on it being usable but different and unique and i think that that's that's a really important quality to have in a pedal company uh, like the exa- afterneath like the afterneath v3 yeah they're new it their newest their newest release it's a great example of just how they take it to a different level of like hey this is still incredibly usable but you can you can take it places as well that yeah your average verb pedal isn't going to do I feel yeah. like that's so essential for pedals, especially like when there's there are so many options. I really like I get so bored if a pedal doesn't push it to the limits. And the afterneath, like it's a spooky kind of. Would you say it's like an echo verb? Um, it's like it's yeah. like it, no, it's, yeah. it's like a cave. Yeah, so it's it's just so spooky. Like it is the sound of like being haunted. If you really want it to be that way. And I think it was so cool that they took user feedback on on selecting different drag modes because mm-hmm. that's just something that like like that that I, I can't imagine that was like the easiest thing in the world to do, but I don't really know. Um and it just really makes it so that you can mold that pedal exactly the way that you want it. And I yeah, I just have the most respect for earthquaker devices i think they're such a great pedal company oh absolutely so yeah go check them out give them some love and uh tell them i said hi hi guys hi remember us hey hi. that was honestly one of my highlights for man was the earthquaker party mm. and uh i would have stayed yeah. later if i had known that this year was cut in front of us. I know, man. Like I would have gone because I was very close to going. I, I thought I was going to pick up some work, like some music work that yep. weekend and it didn't happen. I was like, mm. I was like checking last minute flights into Anaheim. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a great night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, legends. I, I, I got to talk, talk and stand next to legends. And uh, it was fun. It's a good time. Shoulders of giants. Indeed. I was like, oh, hi. I've been watching your videos my entire life. Oh, hi. Hi, Andy. Um, hi. Yeah. Andy, Andy Martin? 
Yeah, no, I I think I talked about this on the episode that I released to kind of recap my experience at NAMM. But yeah, I was just like, I was sitting in a circle of folks. I think it was uh, with like Sean Pierce Johnson uh, and John Ross and a couple of other folks. And suddenly like I turn and like literally standing right next to me is Andy Martin. He's like, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> wait, this is real. <laughs> Hi. My nice. name's Andrew. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Does he listen to the podcast? I didn't want to talk shop with him. We were, <laughs> we were just hanging out and being smart. people and having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Always smart. Very Beer good. in hand Very good, and uh, plenty of pizza down the gullet and, and pasta because it was Italian food that night. It's good Oof, that sounds so good. That sounds so good. You know what I am. sounds good? Yeah. What? I. Uh, at least as far as I can tell, what sounds good is the two pedals that got released this week. Ooh, well, there were three, but we're only going to talk about two of yeah, them. There's two that I care about. Um, <laughs> just I care about all three. I, it's not that I have anything against the third one. It just doesn't do anything for me. I don't know. I'm incredibly... I mean, that, that, that's my that was my favorite of the uh, reverb algorithms from the H9. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, I that, that, and that's fine. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be rude, but just like, and if I'm going to sit here and talk about something, I'm just going to talk about, you know. Talk about what, the Night Sky. Do it. I'm going to talk it, about the Night it. Sky. We're going to talk about the OC5. I haven't even watched a single video for the Night Sky, to be honest. I, there was two, there's the like 45 minute demo from Strymon. Yeah, that was an announcement. I just, I haven't had time to watch it. I really want, I just need to. Re like say like I want to watch and I will after this, but I just haven't had time. Um yeah, so I watched the whole thing while I was getting some work done at my desk, and then I watched the Andy demo, and then there's another demo, and I can't remember the artist's name. Um, it was someone I hadn't seen before, and those are the the couple of demos that were up Thursday night. So sat down, watched all of those, and gotta say I wasn't planning on uh selling anything to try and buy one. I was like, yeah, I'll just. Maybe if I get some birthday money or it, I'm like, nope, I need this now. I need to, I need to order it before it disappears and bef like before they get back ordered. And, and, uh, all right. So tell me about, tell me about it. Where to begin? Um, so it's got three different reverb modes. Um, it's got modulation with all kinds of modulation modes as well. It's got, uh, a what are the reverb modes? Did, how many reverb modes did you say? I'm sorry, I was sneezing. Three. So it was three. shimmer modulated. No, no, no. So the shimmer is no? a separate control. You can dial into all three. Oh. I'm gonna pull up a photo here. Yeah, no. Sh the shimmer is entirely independent, as well as the glimmer. Um, I'm sorry, a glimmer. The glimmer. Yes. Uh, we'll get there. I'm just gonna okay. pull this up. Strime in night sky. There, let's just say there's there's so much that's packed into the sucker. It's Looking on the night sky. It's pretty wild. Um. All right, so we've got the glimmer, which is a uh, button push for a high and low that's built into the uh, pitch shifting side of things. There's also uh, there's just so much here. Okay, so the pitch shifting, you can choose what interval you want to pitch shift to. You okay. can. Uh, decide whether or not you want the shimmer to happen on the input or the regen. So the interval is going to change the reverb itself, and then you, the shimmer is also impacted by that. Um, 
uh, Glimmer, I blanking a little bit on what Glimmer was. Uh, I want to say it was the low end of things. I'm trying to pull that up here. Glimmer. All right. Glimmer creates an, that's what it is, an enhanced harmonic spectrum using an optimally tuned dynamic resonant network. So that's it's adding like that. that. Those, are, those are certainly words. No, it's a really exciting pedal. It, it's kind of like a tube amp when it gives you that, that resonant, um, the harmonic resonant kind of just fills out the sound and makes it sound alive. Mm-hmm. They were showing the the difference between the two. I'm like, oh, um, and what it really reminded me of actually is a feature that I've uh, in a, another reverb that Earthquaker devices afterneath, not afterneath, um, levitation. I had that verb for a couple of years. Um, I think I sold it a couple, about two years ago now. Honestly, I, I missed the heck out of it. I really shouldn't have sold it. But the way that it sounded with the how it filled out kind of the upper levels with that harmonic texture really reminded me of the levitation verb. Uh, so I'm like, oh, well, that's a feature that I really missed in a pedal I used to have. That would be super cool. Yeah. I have again the three uh, reverb textures. So they sound like different algorithms altogether. They've just got listed as a texture is sparse, dense, and diffuse. Uh, which they all sounded great, but I I really liked diffuse. Um, I like a diffused reverb. I've I've played with a few things that that are that, and I it's nice. Um, yeah, it's got a uh, um, good gravy. I, there's just so much. I'm I'm admittedly feeling slightly overwhelmed just looking at this. But like in the good kind of way. There's just there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh pots on here, and then a total of one, two, three, four, wait, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen buttons. Not including the foot switches. So there's three of. So there's uh-huh. a lot going on here. Um it's like uh, a volante. Volante? 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 Volante. It's like Imagine. that, but for a reverb, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the same size enclosure. There's so much going on here. Uh, it does have an overdrive built into it as well, which is like what? You can I'm sorry, it. what? Yeah. So it's got, <laughs> it's got like a. Can you put the overdrive after the reverb? Yeah. So you, you, the overdrive is just, you can select it for pre or post or off. It's also got a filter, so low cut, high cut. Um, and you can tackle, uh, you can have that applied to the reverb um itself or just the or just as a low pass filter um and then it's got a sequencer if this thing wasn't already well enough it's got a freaking sequencer that you can uh, uh program in with uh specific notes on a scale mm-hmm. and uh watching what they're able to do with that in the demos made me go this is this is that extra sauce that's taking me to the next level of yeah i I could put this on my board and I could very happily sit down for the several nights. Like I could, <laughs> I could just woodshed it for a weekend or for a month yeah. or maybe six months and still just be like, yeah, dog, this is so much to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of want to put on the headphones and space out. So anyways, I did a terrible job explaining that and I'm not sure anyone wanted to hear me explain that. But the point is I'm ex- I am excited. Uh, I wasn't planning on selling anything. I'm now finding myself selling off a handful of things to try and come up with the money for it. 
because uh, this is the sort of thing that I think I want to explore next, and I'm hyped for it. Mm-hmm. The other one, do you want to talk about? Um, yeah, so uh, Boss released a new version of their octave pedal. Uh, I think the first one ever was the OC2, and that was really... One of my first pedals was an OC3, but they just released the OC5. Yep, yep, yep. They did. And, man, that video they posted on Instagram about it, freaking killer. You know, the funny thing is, before I... I was literally talking with someone on Thursday, and before I had... uh, Before I'd even seen the announcement about the OC5, I was talking to someone saying, like, you know... Maybe I'm going to sell a couple of things and I'm going to start looking for a vintage OC2. Uh, just to throw in the base rig and mm-hmm. figured that'd be fine. But I found myself like wanting a different flavor of octave effects and to have some fun with that. And yeah, that- so the, OC t- the OC2 just has um, three three controls. It has, you know, volume or direct level, an octave two and an octave one. The OC3 had, I think, two or three um, modes. And uh, the OC5 has uh, the vintage mode, the the classic OG, and then a poly mode so you can play chords. The tracking seems way improved. It has direct level, uh, one octave up, one octave down, and two octaves down. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I really do love playing with an octave pedal. I think it really gives that depth to your sound. I like I love um solos high up on the neck that use an octave pedal just to get that lower sound. Um Prince pretty famously used octave pedals uh I think mostly on the Purple Rain tour um or starting with Purple Rain because you you can hear it in uh, When Doves Cry and the solo for Let's Go Crazy. So the intro for When Doves Cry and the solo for that that utilizes an octave pedal to get the OC two to get the octave down, and it just sounds so big and gnarly, and uh, and it looks so handsome. The OC five does. It does. I I really like the mono in the poly switch. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really slick and the OC two had like um I think the classic mono, a poly, and I, I I might be wrong, but I feel like one of the settings was like adding a distortion to the octave, which is mostly how I uh use that particular pedal. But I don't remember. No? OC three no? uh OC three was literally just a three knobber. Or OC two. Oh, yeah. Uh OC two. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the OC three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so the OC3 does... has a uh, so, poly octave yep. and drive. So it yep. had like a, and that's, that's what, how I used it, but it didn't, I felt like that did, all, did not always play super well with other drive pedals. Sure. Yeah. Well, so I think the huge difference between the two is that I'm seeing right now, that's got me really hyped is uh, in terms of what this could do for, solo artists buskers churches who have limited volunteers who are able to to play on a sunday morning um is a huge improvement to what they had before which is um in their poly mode on the oc3 you could select the range of how much of the polyphonic 
you wanted to cover and you could set it to just get the lower just the lower notes mm-hmm. and you could do a direct out and then your effect output you could send to a bass amp but it was still getting like two or three of your lower notes on a guitar um so it wasn't like super crisp uh but you know if you needed yeah. like a little bit of rumble the low end you could dial that in if your bass player called out for a sunday morning or whatever if you're you just needed to have that extra oomph as a solo player and didn't want to play the tracks i mean that's a way yeah. to do it but the oc5 they've got it set to where it'll pull the lowest note individually and only send that interesting which that's that's pretty cool so if i'm just thinking about this from the use case of uh like busking or a church sunday morning church or like a solo like looper artist or something like the ability to have like just literally the bass note and you could send that out to like a separate bass board or into a bass di or bass amp or it just have that it sounds like you're playing multiple instruments at once and i think that's i actually think that's pretty rad yeah i mean that's one yeah. of the beauties of having um an octave pedal in general and like it's but in i you know i like the big low sounds i think that you need to have that low end i like i said like i think it just fills out a solo so nicely i you you can see applications for buskers and churches obviously it's a really versatile neat pedal yep yes Um, enough of me uh, gassing (laughs) super hardcore um because i uh, i could talk about gear for a long time here just, yeah, it it was one of those weeks from like <gasps> I want all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and uh, for the record, uh, Boss had an ad that really passed the Gear Bechdel test. Ooh, really? That's a that's a new thing that Hillary Jones from the Midriff podcast uh, has pioneered, and uh, something that Earthquaker Devices published their blog. Do tell, do say, do tell more words. Yes. I want words on this. Let me just pull up the blog. Um, yeah, but Hillary again, Midriff podcast. I was on that podcast. It was really fun. Um, but the the music gear Bechdel test. But do you know, firstly, what the Bechdel test is traditionally? A measure of the representation of women in fiction. Vaguely. Yeah. So um, mostly it's used in movies. Uh, and it's not like a perfect thing. It just actually, I think, I think um, a comic, a uh, comic book artist and writer, Alison Bechdel, came up with it in 1985. It became kind of popular in the night. I'm just reading from Hillary's article in the 90s. Sure. But in order to pass the test, uh, a movie must have two women who are named. These two women must talk to each other. About something other than a man, you would be shocked at how few movies pass that. Since the, she says that since the early two thousands, the number of films that pass that test have hovered around fifty five percent. And just for, again, that's a very low bar. It doesn't account for plot line quality or anything else. I mean, it could right. mean that the women are portrayed in highly stereotypical ways. It's just like it's a very low bar. It's like essentially the lowest bar imaginable. Um, it is really kind of a bummer that only 55 percent of movies pass it. But I digress. Uh, so Hillary took 
the Bechdel test and has pivoted it to a version that kind of is a low bar, low to medium bar on how women are portrayed in gear advertisements. You know, traditionally women in gear ads have just been essentially highly sexualized guitar stands a lot of the time. Uh-huh. So um, if and that's like the better of the case scenarios. But uh, so there are eight, uh, actually, I think seven um, points in this Bechdel test for uh, gear ads. One, there is a woman. Two, start. she is presented as a capable musician. Three, if she is presented with an instrument that has a traditionally feminine aesthetic, like pink with flowers, there is a companion ad featuring a woman with an instrument that is not traditionally feminine and aesthetic. Four, if she is presented sexually as it is on her own terms, there is a companion ad, and there is a companion ad featuring a woman who is not presented sexually. Five, if she is a woman of color, she is not presented using racial stereotypes. Six, if she is a trans woman, her identity and pronouns are respected. Seven, all sexual or offensive social media comments about her are promptly and appropriately addressed or screenshotted and deleted. And that's it. It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> it's like really, it is essentially get a woman in an ad who's a musician and let her pick the guitar that she wants to have in the ad. Like that, that really is kind of the gist of it. That sounds pretty doable. It is doable, and the Boss OC5 ad uh, did do that. I just can't find it right now. Instagram Boss Europe. You I forget who is... exactly was. Do you remember who was in that? No, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's uh, just listening to you like kind of rattle those off. I'm just thinking, like, is that not already being done? No, uh, not really. And that just kind of struck me just a little bit i don't know we've kind of talked about this before but a lot of um gear ads and demos don't don't seem to feature women at all oh yeah i mean i've definitely noticed that they don't so i guess i guess that where i'm looking at this is like i i imagine that if number one then sophie the rest. burrell sorry sophie burrell yeah if number one then the rest i think you're right about that um, I think we've definitely are, have gotten a lot better about that as an industry. Uh, I mean, looking back at, uh, how things were before <laughs> my dad sent me a bunch of, uh, those guitar magazines from the nineties. Yeah. Oh for my the most part, God. it hasn't been super wild flipping through them, but there's been a couple of things I'm like, all right, but they're, they're also entirely male dominated. So I mean the, if one, then the rest statement. I mean, that doesn't really come to play if there isn't number one, which is there is a woman. Yeah, that's true. And you should have women. Fender obviously kills it in this regard. Earthquaker Devices kills it. Um, yep. Yeah, I can think of recent launches that have not at all. Yep. Felix Strymon often does an okay job. I remember when Iridium came out, um, they had uh, Vanessa Wheeler and a bunch of those those spots which was really mm -hmm. cool to see. Um, yeah, but Boss went all out with an ad, like the, this really stellar video with Sophie Burrell and the OC5 and 
damn if it doesn't pass this. <laughs> this does it did a really good job. Yeah, totally. I can dig that. It's something that it's just something to think about. And if you can look at these like and be like, well, that should be easy. You should then extrapolate yourself, like your thought and be like, well, then why isn't everybody doing this? And they should right. be. It's because it's because it's easy. Yeah, I mean, I. This seems pretty cut and dry. I mean, the, yeah. it, I don't see. <sighs> OK, well, I don't know. So. Number two, seeing that someone is presented as a capable musician, I think looking outside of the music industry, uh, like whenever I see like a guitar, like a woman holding a guitar in an ad, whether it be for uh, a clothing ad or a lifestyle or like whatever it is, I definitely find myself going, okay, is she going to fret a chord or is she just going to do the thing where she kind of holds all of her fingers evenly spaced at the fifth fret? And I kind of just get the sense like, oh, well, they clearly just hired a, model, hired a model to do that. But outside of the music industry, that's not really an issue because it's more about the imagery and not about like, hey, we brought a musician on. Yeah. Um, but like in the music industry, like where we're selling this kind of stuff, I feel like it'd be pandering not to have someone as a capable musician, especially since there's so many women that are absolutely killing it in the industry right now. Yeah. I mean, well, previously in ads, most of the women were either highly sexualized, like like I said, sexy living guitar stand kind of thing or were like presented as fawning over a guy with a guitar or like in bed with a guy and a with a guitar right and that was that was really uh essentially it and when you look at those guitar magazines with women i think that for 35 years chrissy hind was the only woman ever on a cover of guitar world 35 years 35 that's, that's so many a years, lot of years. Man. that's so many years and you can just like kind of like lita ford was never on the cover of a guitar world in those 35 years if number one then the rest i i think yeah. that's the uh that's kind of how the guitar world has treated this topic uh in yeah. a lot of ways um yeah 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 it's just, you know, I was in um, featured in an article this weekend on the Bandcamp blog. And I think the quote that I was actually kind of surprised that they picked was, it was weird to me how people were so surprised by the Fender study that said half of new guitars are bought by women because I felt like half the girls I went to high school with had a guitar in their room. Sure. Actually, I'm not even sure that's what I said. It was so long ago that I that gave that interview. I might have said half the guitarists I knew were girls, but. I, yeah, I don't I don't remember any, anything from that interview. It's so weird how 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 press works sometimes. Like, I yeah. think I had turned in an article for a guitar magazine uh, by the new year. So last December and it still hasn't come out. Yeah, sure. I mean, editorial calendars and all that. I mean, that's I mean, I suppose that's just kind of how business works. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes things get published the next day. Sometimes they get published before you give them permission to publish your article. And sometimes uh, sometimes they take a year to come out. Like, it's just, uh, it happens. And we haven't even gotten to, like, what we actually wanted to talk about this episode. No, no, no. I, You know, the funny thing is I knew when we were talking about, like, hey, what do we want to talk about this week? I was like, there was definitely something that I really, really, really wanted to talk about. And I'm blanking so hard. 
Oh, it was this? Yep. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just pulled it up in my notes on my phone, like in the middle of the episode. I'm like, that's what I wanted to talk about. And I was trying to figure out how to transition to this. And then you brought it up like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that was a really good and easy and natural transition. And that's the only reason I brought it up was because I was like, oh, yeah, and they did this. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is super rad. Um, I, I, I want to personally thank Hillary for putting this together. This is, you know, you know what I think this is actually really, really neat for, and this might sound a little strange. So bear with me for a second. When I hear people say, like when people push back against, um, calls for diversity and inclusion, it, some sometimes what I hear is like, well, if like we if we don't sexualize women, then it it always seems to get flipped on its head, and people try to call into the definition of like or call into question like what's the definition of what you're after? You guys just you want inclusion, but you don't really know what that means. And these are kind of some of the things that I hear in a more conservative environment surrounding the representation of uh, women and minorities. It's kind mm-hmm. of this like you don't really know what you want, and I'm looking at this going like. Actually, we do. Yeah, this is what we want. We want to, if we're going to be portrayed sexually, we want it to be on our terms. Because it's it's a very different thing for women to own their own sexuality and autonomy versus um, kind of being pressured into doing it or doing it when it's not really how you want to do things. I think right. a good example of that is like the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stone cover with the Go-Go's, the first one where... Annie Leibovitz photographed them in underwear and it wasn't sexy underwear. And that's, that's why they agreed to do it. Cause it was like, they felt like it was a play on that trope of women in their underwear. It's just like normal Hanes kind of undies and sure. bras. And then the headline came out with it and the headline was the go-go's put out. Like that's taking that autonomy away from them because totally. you're then putting something else onto it. Like, really really gross and bad but um but that's just that's just one example of that happening and if a woman wants to you know feel sexy and wear what she wants on a cover or in an ad like it it needs to be her decision it can't it can't be um you know it it can't be something that uh that they're asked to do or pressured to do or forced to do in any kind of way. Um, it just has to, they have to maintain that autonomy. And that's one of the reasons that I got so mad when um, a, a pedal builders, moderators for their group started accusing me of self-objectifying with no remorse. Like, well, it's not a thing. There's like, I can't objectify myself. I can't, treat myself like an object and if i could if i did that's kind of indicative of uh different psychological things happening but no i can't i can't treat myself like like an object really and that's actually honestly not what i was doing when with with that thing that they accused me of doing like right right i was literally having a conversation about my body with another adult and not even not even in a highly sexualized way and they accuse right. me of self-objectifying with no remorse. And you're sure. they're right, they're right about the no remorse part. <laughs> I and I agree with you. I just I think this 
to say it in a very condescending manner, I feel like I could enter a conversation like with someone complaining about this kind of stuff. And I could be like, let me put this into words you can understand. Yeah. And not that I would actually want to be overly condescending. I try not to be you know, with people I disagree with. But um, well, sometimes it's just like, I don't know. It's so weird that um, sometimes people perceive language as being worse than, you know, bad behavior. And that's always really frustrating, like that it feels like a bit of a double standard. But you know. your complaint is clearly invalidated because you uh, raised your voice for half a second. Or you said the word or you said a naughty word. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's garbage. But I, I yeah. think having seven very clear points, because I feel like you could just you could punch this. This is well, this is an algorithm. It's written out in a very readable format, but this is essentially this is code. This is this is how computers work i mean this is so purely logically broken down yeah i don't think that this is this should be hard to understand i think this is a, a really great format to communicate this sort of th stuff with and i think this gives uh, a level uh this is a, a very empowering tool that people when they're sorting out um Phot photography for the cover of a magazine or uh, how they want their music video to be filmed and all of that like having this sort of tool in the pocket i think is a really helpful yeah. thing to help vocalize what everyone's kind of thinking in their heads yeah make that communication painfully clear for someone who would otherwise take advantage of of the artist in question yeah no absolutely agent it's all about agency in the end it's all about agency yeah so i'm a huge fan yeah. i like that yeah uh, yeah for sure so uh if the midriff podcast is listening to this uh huge thank you you Thanks, guys are yeah and uh everyone so should go subscribe to them yeah yeah absolutely go subscribe go listen uh go donate go uh go support them they deserve it 100 percent. yes go hillary so listen to my episode <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one that was fun well good times i don't i think that's I, I that's think, fine i think that, i don't think we need to talk episode. about yeah we don't I, we don't need to talk about the other thing really but i do just want to say like so there had been um just really quickly a tldr on it people had been concerned about facebook saying that they were going to start um enforcing a policy uh, mm -hmm. about live streaming music experiences and uh, since a lot of musicians right now are really relying on on live streaming as their only like live performance and then the, you do that for virtual tipping like every once in a while and uh, so a lot of uh, artists were concerned that what Facebook was saying was that um, they uh, couldn't do live streams anymore but Facebook did come out and clarify that what they were talking about was like live DJ sets with other people's music. It wasn't an like if you're if you own the rights to your music, you can do whatever you want with them. If you're playing live music covers or originals, that's that's fine. Um, so just like and I would like to implore people that next time they see something that seems really outrageous or they don't understand it. Um, a lot of times people tend to read like announcements in terms of services and uh, 
to everyone who got concerned to their credit, uh, it was a very vague statement that Facebook made initially, and they did they did clarify it. So I think it's good to you know put pressure on vague statements to demand clarification, but also to step back. Panicking's not really going to help anything. And if it seems like that's not right, like if it doesn't really make any sense, um, it, then then maybe you know just ask for that clarification directly from Facebook versus you know uh, panicking about it because I don't think you know a lot of the knee jerk stuff I don't think was super helpful. Um, and still, and it's it becomes really hard to stop spreading that knee jerk stuff once. Um, once something gets clarified, like there are still people who don't realize that Facebook clarified that statement. So well, just, yeah, spread the so, clarify, spread the clarification as much as you, sh as you spread the confusion. That's, that's, that's all I ask. And, uh, for everything. Sure. I think I, well, I was reading through some more literature on it and I was getting a crack out of it. Cause Facebook pretty much said, we uh, already said a whole lot about this back in May. None yeah. of this is new information. It rarely is, to be honest. Uh, it's pretty much the same thing, the same deal as it is for uh, for YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, I get it. it yeah, I it, mean, it, and for the record, like, if you try to upload a song with a obviously pre-recorded um, audio, Facebook will immediately pull it and then just ask you to confirm. They will they will mute the video and then yeah. they will ask well, you Facebook to confirm. Facebook and Instagram's always done that. Yeah, they literally or, have always not done always, that. but it's happened As, to, for years. Well, it happens happened, to me all the time for my own stuff. Oh, it was funny. So one of the videos I put together, um, the first year we we're doing podcasting, where we smashed that mug. Yeah, uh, we it got flagged. Uh, for being part of a Simpsons episode. And it wasn't, there's literally nothing Simpsons in it, but they said, oh, this is from Simpsons season nine, episode 15 or like whatever it was uh, and saying, yeah, we're going to, we're going to pull this. And I had to appeal and get someone to actually sit down and watch my, like yeah. my short one minute video. And then and it like, was oh. back up like within three hours or something, right? Yeah. 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 But I got a huge, it, it was really, funny. really funny. Yeah, that's funny. But at the same time, like, guys like chill <laughs> yeah simpsons uh, really nah that's funny um no i've gotten that when we've gotten permission to use things and it, i think that in distro kid let me look at something really quickly one of the cool things i am pretty sure you can do in distro kid is you can um you i i'm pretty sure that you can um give people like permission to use your um your music uh god that sounds let me see uh youtube allow list so so um that's something that they have so if you ha if someone uses your song in a youtube video and it automatically gets pulled because it's someone else's song uh you can add them to your youtube allow list so that they can still get monetized for that like i think we had an episode of the podcast where you could hear the pineapple pen song in the background and it <laughs> said you either need to mute that or you're not going to get monetized 
So there are a lot of cases with fair use where so somebody somebody can play a clip of your music um, to do criticism about it. Mm-hmm. And that can be like a review or it can be like there. you could also do like an educational example. Like if you want examples of the major chord going into the minor chord, um, you you would play some examples of that. And YouTube would automatically flag to not allow for monetization. Um, but you can either protest with YouTube, which will take forever um, because they get a lot of those. Or if some if that music's on DistroKid... They can do. They can add you to the YouTube allow list. Yeah. So uh, you click on the YouTube allow list. It will show. It will. Uh, when you opt into YouTube money from DistroKid, they automatically detect every video in YouTube that's using your music. They claim those videos in your behalf. They send the ad revenue to you uh, instead of whoever uploaded the video. But you can allow them to use your video. Wait, I don't. I don't. I'm not entirely sure. I'm using this. I'm thinking about this right. We'll sort it out and then uh, we'll get some. Yeah, actually, you know what? I that's actually really interesting. On the other way, huh? Uh, I think things are not as they seem, and I think it. I I got a a good kick out of people freaking out over. Uh, okay, so I'm sorry. Now I understand. So okay. so it gets claimed, and then once it's claimed, you can add it to the allow list. And gotcha. so that's why that's why they're claiming it in the first place because you can't preemptively add someone to your allow list apparently. Weird. Weird, but I mean, makes sense. I would like to be able to like say this channel can always use my my stuff, but I get it. It is what it is. Well, I need to dig back into that music business book. I think this has been a good episode of the Get Upset Podcast. Yes. Um, please rate review on iTunes. That uh, really helps us. Subscribe on YouTube and in iTunes and on Spotify and et cetera. Uh, check out getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop for merch. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. Big ups to Jason Weiser for upping his Patreon pledge. Heck yeah. Thanks, Jason. Um, and what else can, how else can people support us? Uh, sign up to DistroKid using the link in the show notes. Yep. Buy stuff on Reverb.com via the link in the show notes. Like an afterneath V3. Yes, definitely get that. Um, anything, did I miss anything? Buy merch. Yes. I'm a fan of merch. Merch is cool. You can pre-order the Sunday Crush record at uh, Donut Sounds website. By a Fox Cairo pedal topper. Yes, those things. Um, Thanks for listening and thanks for understanding. Until next time, my name is Emily. And my name is Andrew. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.